Hello and welcome to the Forest of Pop Culture Fae. I am Miller C. Lashbrook and I am your fairy host on your journey through this forest of pop culture. This week on Pop Culture Fae, I will be talking about Dune Part 2. Hope you enjoy! All right, this week I have been consuming uh, in books I read On Writing by Stephen King. This was a sort of reread. Chapters of of the book and sections were assigned in one of my college classes when I was getting my degree. And so this was kind of a a reread from front to back. And at, this kind of came at the perfect time. I've been I've been pretty good about writing or, or editing or revising, doing some sort of writing-based thing every day to work on my writing goals. But uh, definitely in the past month, uh, the motivation has been difficult. Uh, and so reading this gave me a kind of <laughs> the pep talk I needed from Stephen King to get back uh, into my habits and my practice in a meaningful way and get that motivation. Uh, It gave me some new ideas, some new thoughts about what I'm working on right now, writing wise to uh, really kind of bring that passion back, which was a a nice kick in the pants, if you will. In comics, uh, I've this week read uh, Ed Brubaker's uh, Daredevil run, some of it, as well as uh, Captain America by Ed Brubaker. In TV this week, I continued my first time watching The Good Place, um, continuing my rewatch of X-Men the Animated Series, but really the kind of big highlights this week. Uh, Survivor came back with a new season this week. I'm a big Survivor fan. I like competition reality, but I mean, the show of this week is Shogun. Shogun uh, is an FX uh, miniseries that is also um, releasing on Hulu, and it is based on the James Clavell novel of the same name, and it is just an epic show. We got two episodes uh, this week, and we'll be getting one uh, for the next oh, one episode a week for the next eight weeks. It's going to be a ten episode miniseries. The scope and scale of this show, it has that epic feel that shows like Game of Thrones uh, and House of the Dragon and Rings of Power have, and the fact that it's it has that epic scale and is also Uh, based on a historical fiction novel. So there's like some cool history things tying into the show. If you like that, the acting is amazing. Uh, The use of language is really interesting. So we have characters speaking Japanese and that is subtitled. We have characters speaking Portuguese, but we hear that as English, which is an interesting choice. And then there are characters also speaking English, which we hear as English. Um, a lot of really cool history, and I th- think the show is doing a good job balancing the 
point of views of the show so that it does not focus too much on the European characters. And it's nice and balanced that we kind of have uh, two po- two protagonist point of views that we're kind of following, um, which is cool. Yeah, if you like historical fiction, if you like any kind of medieval dramas, if you like, like Game of Thrones or you're someone who uh, likes kind of epic war dramas, then I would definitely check out Shogun. It is amazing. I'm going to keep watching. And I definitely added the book to my, uh, my TBR list, my, my to be read list. And yeah, obviously. And then also we obviously got a new episode of the bad batch this week with episode season three, episode four, another great episode. This was a great crosshairs and Omega episode this week. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to be covering um, the Bad Batch week to week on every episode. I'll give little updates here. And then I think I'm planning with the Bad Batch to do a, a halfway point episode. And then I'll do an episode when the season wraps. Yeah. And then in movies, I mean, my big thing this week is what I'm going to be talking about today, which is Dune Part 2. Okay, let's talk Dune. Uh, <laughs> every time, every time I say the title, I can't. Uh, my husband and I can't help but say it like that. Um, just, it's just such a funny, uh, such a funny word. Um, yeah. So, Dune Part Two. Um, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, or I think last week on the podcast. I missed the first Dune movie in theaters. It, I think it came out uh, just at a week where we were busy, and then other movies were coming out, and so it kind of just got away from us. And we didn't, we had not watched the first Dune movie until about uh, two weeks ago now. Um, and yeah, this the first Dune movie, great. Uh, but really the first Dune movie is a lot of exposition and character building and setting up the chessboard, if you will. The, it's definitely interesting, this idea that, so Dune and Dune part two are based on the novel Dune by Frank Herbert. And, um, evidently, the original first Dune novel was first published in um, magazines, uh, and so the in, like the story was originally separated out like this. So kind of interesting that the movie did that too. And a lot of people are like, they took one book and split it in half. But apparently, evidently, when originally published, the two storylines were split in half like that. Um, but so for the majority of people who are familiar with the book or know anything about the book, this is these two movies together make up the story of the first Dune novel, which was uh, eventually those short stories were brought together and published as the first book. And so it's definitely interesting to like, <laughs> you have your whole plot structure happen over the course of two, uh, like nearly three hour movies. And so what ends up happening here is 
the first Dune movie is really cool. Great world building, great characters, some great action sequences and moments, but you end up, the first Dune movie kind of just ends (laughs) and there's not really a lot of resolution to it. This movie gets just the, (coughs) excuse me, the drama and the resolution all packed into one. uh, And you essentially get acts the like the end of act two in and the third act of the book in this movie. Now I saw it in IMAX. I highly recommend that if you, that you see this movie on the biggest screen that you can possibly see it on. Um, the, the action and the visuals are just so epic in scope that having that beautiful big IMAX screen is going to be able to just like let you really take it all in. Uh, and, and the sound design in, and the score in this movie is amazing as well. And so real having a theater that has really good speakers is going to be key as well. Um, yeah, the, I mean, I have, so taking a step back, giving you my kind of perspective walking into the theater. I've only seen the first movie once, and that was only a couple weeks ago. And I've yet to read any of the books. Um, after seeing this one, I want to read them all. <laughs> if that gives you any indication about my thoughts leaving the theater. I And it's, I think that the just kind of easiest comparison to draw between... Uh, my feelings with Dune part two is really how I felt about avatar, the way of water, the first avatar movie, visually stunning, such a well-made movie, really cool to see. I liked it when it came out, but it didn't blow me away. Like it did for a lot of people. Avatar, the way of water. I was speechless afterward. Like it was it. One of the like, coolest movie going experiences that I've ever been to. Similarly here, I missed Dune in theaters and then watched it at home. And then Dune part two blows me away, right? The first movie I liked, I thought it was great. This was a five out of five star movie. Um, I really can't say much else after that, without getting into plot points and characters, I mean, I, I guess what I will say, um, all the acting is amazing in this movie. For me, the standout performances are Javier Bardem and Zendaya. Those are the two that, for me, stuck with me. Um, and, I mean, we can also... Uh, put Florence Pugh and Tiffany Chalamet, Tiffany, oh my goodness, Timothy Chalamet uh, as like just a rung below on the ladder. Uh, For Florence Pugh, it's mostly just she uh, is only in a few scenes in this movie. Um, And Timothy Chalamet, it's not his acting of why he's a rung below. It's more just some character stuff, which I'll get into once I get my spoiler running. So that's my initial thoughts. Like 
if I were giving this a percentage, this is a hundred percent, right? The, this movie is amazing. It is going to be one that I revisit and rewatch. Uh, and Dune might become like a feel good rewatch epic, like science fiction series in a similar way that I approach like the Marvel movies, star Wars, Jurassic park, uh, the parts of the Caribbean movies and Lord of the Rings movies, right? The, those kind of go to comfort films for me. Uh, I might be adding these in to that as well. Um, go see it, go see it as soon as you can on the biggest screen that you can. And you, I do not think that you will be disappointed at all. It is an amazing movie going experience. So here's your official spoiler warning. After this part, I will be talking spoilers for the movie. So go see it if you haven't already, and then come back. Okay. Now let's get into spoilers. I think, I mean, maybe I'll start with like the visuals and the filmmaking here. The world building design that was accomplished in this movie is amazing. I mean, for a movie that primarily takes place on a desert planet, you think it would get visually stale very quickly, but they, uh, Denis Villeneuve just uses the director uses light to do so much right to, he he turns what could be boring visuals into a beautiful canvas in a way that like i can only really compare in my brain to a new hope like the beauty that in episode four new hope of star wars that we get with the the twin sun sunsets um specifically i'm picturing the moment where luke is staring off into the twin suns as they're setting, right? You get that visual flair, but just the whole movie here, it just very visually stunning. Uh, and then you have great costume design, great vehicle design for the different uh, vehicle spaceships and uh, like gunships and, uh, tanks that are all being used on Arrakis. Then you get into how the different houses have different designs, right? The emperor and his army and his uh, ships have a very distinct design, which is very different from the Harkonnen ships and their look, right? And then the look of the freemen is very visually distinct from the look of the Harkonnen and the Emperor's people and what we saw with House Atreides um, as well in part one, uh, right? Just amazing visuals. Zimmer's score is fantastic here and so well used to build that tension. Uh a great way place where the visuals and the sound work together so well is in the Harkonnen Coliseum sequence when we're introduced to Austin Butler's character in the film, 
where they where Denis Villeneuve chooses to use a black and white look to show this black sun that their planet has to where like it's devoid of color when they're under that sun. That was such a cool choice. Um, I love that the Colosseum was triangular and not circular. Like that choice alone was really interesting. I just, there are a lot of really cool symbolic like world building choices here. Um, the, yeah. And then I love how many pieces we have moving of characters here. We don't have to just sit with one character. We are able to move around and see what's going on in different places. We get moments with Florence Pugh's, uh, like character as the princess, where we get to kind of see the emperor's side of things and also the Bene Gesuit, the, the um, all-female religious order that's in the series and their perspective. We get to have a lot of moments and scenes with Jessica Atreides and what's going on with her unborn child, with her becoming a reverend mother, with her uh, proselytizing about Paul as this Messiah figure. And then we, of course, spend a lot of time in the movie with Paul and with Johnny uh, kind of following their journey through the desert. Uh, yeah, the and his rise to power. So I think a lot of people, let's, uh, we can start talking about characters here. Um, Javier Bardem's uh, Stilgar is just so funny and charming and endearing uh, that you can't help but like love him in the role. Some of his lines or some of his moments had my theater laughing multiple times. Specifically, there was a moment where uh, Paul just did something that for him was just like his choice in the moment. And then it cut to <laughs> Stilgar in the tent being like, oh my gosh, it's our prophecy coming true. And it just made the theater chuckle a little bit how Paul was literally just like doing what he was doing. And these people are turning it into more than that. Um, Zendaya's emotional arc here going from teacher to like lover of Paul to then that evolving into like full on like partners and companions, but then for her to also not believe in this Messiah lore that's being said about Paul. And then for him to lean a little bit too far into that. Right. Uh, and her have to be a part of it with saving him after he drank the water of life. Right. And then after all of that journey, he then, again, I said spoilers at this point. So he then asks for the princess's hand in marriage, which 
politically with what's going on, of course, makes sense. And we get why Paul is doing that. They, they lay the seeds, they plant those seeds really well. So you get where Paul is coming from, but Ooh, it hurts so much as an audience member and it hurts even more because of Zendaya's acting. And just with her looks, she says so much at the end of this movie. Um, by the end of the movie, I, <laughs> as someone who uh, it worries about how religion can be weaponized, like in real life, as I was watching Paul's rise to power and the way he's using these people who are worshiping him for, I mean, their benefit, but also for his with his rise to power, the movie did such a good job of balancing the viewpoints of all these characters with, um, with Stilgar, with Jessica and with Zendaya that with Johnny Zendaya's character that I just, I was in her shoes and I got how she was feeling and I'm with her for this. Like (laughs) by the end of this, I'm like, okay, Dune part three, or if they just call it Dune Messiah after the second book, right? I'm going to be rooting for uh, Chani for Zendaya's character because Paul's kind of gone off the deep end now and leaned a little too hard into the uh, what everyone's saying he is. And I think the movie also does an excellent job like showing how Paul's story fits with this prophecy, but then also asking the questions of just because he fits it, does that mean that it is applying to him? And also the movie also does a great job of having characters and therefore us as the audience question whether or not this prophecy is even like a real thing with the way that we're seeing the Bene Jesuit manipulate everybody. The fact that they're like, Oh, Austin Butler's character, we're going to set him up to also potentially be um, someone that we're going to back behind, right? We get this idea that maybe even this religion that the Freemen are kind of following, that it isn't even, maybe it wasn't even created by them. Maybe it was created by these Bene Jesuit and brought to uh, Arrakis, brought to Dune. Um, it's, but, but then we also get like the waters of life do give Paul like visions and allow him to see things. And, uh, and the, it gives, uh, Jessica the ability to talk to her baby who's in her womb, which is a really interesting (laughs) like choice. So there's so many layers and things happening, but the movie does such a good job of giving you as the audience, the tools through, conversations through uh, questions that characters are asking for you to also feel free to question what you're seeing as well. Um, In a way that a lot of chosen one stories don't really do right. Um, Some, a lot of more modern ones do kind of beg those questions, but the, but for uh, a series that these books were written in the mid 20th century, right? 
Um, they're not 21st century books for it to feel so modern now when a lot of writers and filmmakers are really like looking at the hero's journey under a microscope and kind of peeling back these chosen one uh, monomyth narratives. The fact that this series is seemingly doing that as well is really cool. So yeah, if you can't tell, I loved this movie. This was just my first watch. I think I'll definitely be seeing this again in theaters and then definitely watching it again at home. Um, 10 out of 10 recommend seeing it. It is definitely worth your time. Thank you for joining me today in talking about Dune part two. If you are listening and enjoying the podcast, make sure to subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice so you can always find out when new episodes are coming out. And if you are really loving the podcast, dropping a review uh, for the pod would be awesome as well. Also, if you have a friend who would like the podcast, make sure to share it with them to help grow our little community here. Next week on the podcast, I uh, will be revisiting the Disney Plus series Obi-Wan Kenobi. Once again, I am Miller C. Lashbrook. You can find me on Twitter at Mill C. Lashbrook, on Instagram at Miller C. Lashbrook. And for more Pop Culture Fay, you can head to our website, popculturefay.com, for blog posts and more content. Finally, I hope that you have a fantastic day and a wonderful week, and I hope to find you the next time you wander into the forest of Pop Culture Fay. Thank you.